Welcome to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast. We're your hosts, Nick and Harry. We're back with another episode. I think episode 28, right? 28. Our uh, our episode numbers are going to be higher than our ages pretty soon. Whoa. Two more? Three more? Yeah. Um, let's bust some myths today. This episode is going to be about a bunch of personal finance myths that we've heard, that we've seen, that we've read about. Friends. Maybe even used to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I believe some of these for sure. Yep. And we have touched on some of these um, throughout the episodes that they're related to. We've also done some Q&A episodes, but we've never done it quite like this, uh, where we've attacked them and debunked them head on. Yeah, yeah. So some of these, if you're a dedicated listener, uh, might be familiar. And some of them are, are stuff that I think we realized we made some assumptions about without um, and now, now realizing maybe we need to tackle them head on and just uh, lay down the law on these falsehoods. Let's start with highs and lows. What are your financial highs and lows since the last right. recording session? I've finally got the auto ship on my dog's food order locked in on Chewy. I've been I've been like just off, and so there's like three. If I waited for the shipment, there'd be like three days with no food. But this one's locked in. I'm about to get a bag like a day before we run out of food, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. That's that's my high. What about the low, <laughs> and my low. I uh, went to a wedding this past weekend. I think we were both at weddings this past weekend, actually. Yeah. Different different ones. but And, you know, I was, I was thinking ahead that it, it wasn't, you know, it was going to be a low-cost weekend. We'd already paid for the, the flight and the hotel and it already got the gift and all that stuff. But, you know, forgot about just how easy it is to rack up incidentals while you're traveling. Uh, we had a long gap between being able to check in and our flight. And so we killed time at a movie theater and a restaurant and stuff like that. Forgot I was going to have to pay the dog sitter. And so kind of some surprise expenses. It was it was a more expensive weekend than I was hoping, but also some lessons learned. So not all bad. Those are some good ones. What about you? Well, high is going to be that I got my tax refund faster than expected Ooh, um, yeah. because I submitted it on tax day. I thought I'd be like last in the queue, but they nice. actually uh, got to me pretty quick. So I was happy about that. And the low recently is that my landlord is trying to raise my rent. Now that we are sort of post-COVID discount, uh, they're trying to bring it at, back up to what it was before and higher. So I have to go into... got a dust off the uh, negotiation episode and go into a bit of a negotiation to keep it uh, low, hopefully. So we went through and got 10 of the top myths that we hear and see and that we think are, I don't know, most um, problematic or like could cause the most damage if you believe them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, um, that's a good way to put it. They're not necessarily all huge myths, but... It doesn't need to be a big one to be damaging if it's something that you know adds up over time. You're making small and correct decisions just because you have learned the wrong thing about something. Um, that's something easy to fix. We just need to learn the right thing. 
probably just get into them. Yeah, let's let's go to the first one. All right. The first one is one we've heard, and that's you need to be really good with numbers and a math genius to be good at managing your personal finances. I've heard, well, I'm just not a numbers person. I, you know, yep. I, I, I wasn't good at math, so I'm not going to be able to make a budget. Right. Yep. Or they're like, yeah, you know, I got, I got a C in geometry in high school, so probably just going to be in debt. The rest it's a of lost life. cause. Yeah. Like I kind of <laughs> like I, I. That's obviously an exaggeration, but that's the sentiment I hear sometimes, where they've just given up on themselves on anything that has to do with digits. Well, why isn't it true then? Because what it what personal finance comes down to isn't really about looking at numbers. Like we and we've. If you've listened to our episodes, if you followed the show, um, obviously all of these decisions and strategies you're putting into place affect the numbers in your account. It'll affect the number that is on your rent bill and your paycheck and all that type of stuff. But really what it personal finance comes down to is putting good strategies and good processes in place for yourself. And none of that has to do with numbers no. building a building a good habit doesn't have anything to do with numbers there are also just so many good tools and calculators out there that if you use any of these they're going to do the math for you yeah you're not going to get away from any math of personal finance but the parts where you do need to do it you aren't even the one that has to do the math yeah and there's so many out there for free too that doesn't matter so you do not need to be a genius at math What's the second myth? Second one, and this this is a big one for me. I, I really like to debunk this one, is that all debt is bad. I should never take out loans for student loans. Um, I should always try to buy a house in cash. Yeah, can, stuff right? like that. And and the one that... And we have a whole episode about this, right? We, we had episode five, literally called debt not a four-letter word. And the, the focus of that episode was why not all debt is bad. But the student loan example you gave is it's great. I think that's a hot topic. It's in the news a lot just because the topic of forgiveness is is on people's minds right now. I see people that have student loans with relatively low interest and they are they just can't wait to pay it all off. Like a- every spare dime they have goes towards that they are they're not contributing to their 401k they're not saving for retirement all they can think about is getting rid of this debt and then yep. once that's gone then they'll start planning for the rest of their life and their debt is is stuff like 4% like a 4% APR and it's like you you can pretty easily make the argument at 4% to only pay the minimum payment well especially since there are so many places to make more than 4% right like exactly any index fund over the course of years is going to you know, we've talked about average nine, ten percent. Like, subtract that from four percent, and that's or subtract four percent from that, and that's what you're giving up by, uh, you know, trying to pay off that debt first before anything. Yeah, exactly. So you might, you know, the with, with debt, what you're really trying to do is can can I outrace the extra interest I'm going to pay with the extra gains I would get by investing this right now. And we've we've talked about this again in an earlier episode, right? Seven percent take when you're considering inflation. It's usually around seven percent is that magic number where you break even. If you feel okay with it, and the math is telling you that it's okay to have it, 
it is. Yep. High interest debt, usually pretty bad. Don't be afraid of low interest debt if it's helping you get something that you want, a house, an education, whatever that might be. Yep. And that takes us into a nice segue into number four. Credit cards, which are number three. three. (laughs) (laughs) That all credit cards are bad, right? That if I'm I'm using a credit card, I'm going to get into debt and it's better just to use my debit card or cash. Yeah, and that that I think that that sub myth of this one that credit cards are for buying things that you can't afford. Mm-hmm. You're gonna max out your credit card, and then you're gonna pay so much in interest that you know you should never even bother using a credit card in the first place. Not true. You can use yep. a credit card. Listen to our episode on credit cards, but you can use a credit card for good in yes. getting rewards and points and the insurance, the protection that comes with it. Um, right. Yeah. It's not even if you don't care about the points. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss out on. Even if you don't have a, a super high value card where you're really racking up these points, even with the most basic credit card, you are significantly more protected making purchases on that than on your debit card. So even even just looking at what's safest. Also, getting it stolen is better. Like Exactly. Because, you know, debit card gets stolen, that money's gone. Even if you do getting, get it back eventually, it's out of your account. Credit card is just on a statement. So, much easier. So, credit cards are not bad. You just need to use them responsibly. And Which is another great segue into the next myth. Oh, good one. That yeah. carrying credit card balances is necessary to boost your credit score. This one is another one that I see a lot personally yeah like i'll charge some i should charge some stuff to my credit card and then i should let it carry over to the next month so that i don't i don't know why so that the they see that i'm using it right i think yeah and I, th- I think i think where the um trip up kind of happens is the the way that the delayed payment works right so you you get your statement at the end of february and you don't pay it until the end of march and you do want your statement to show some credit card usage if you want those payments to be recorded. But that doesn't require paying any interest, right? Like you get your statement, you have a month they to pay with no interest. Mm-hmm. So that's, you should always pay your statements off and fill. But if you're, if you're really trying to maximize, uh, avoid paying off the bill before you get your statement. But you should always pay off the statement in full once you get it. Yep. So... That's not how you boost your credit score. You boost it by using it, just showing that you're using it. Don't need to pay any interest to get your score up. What about minimum payments? That's a, another one. So for number five, minimum, just make the minimum payment. That's fine, right? Yeah. And maybe that's true for you know not actively hurting your credit score um, or going to collections, and the card company is going to be happy with you. They but, would love. They would love if you only ever paid the yeah, minimum. Because you might you depending on how much is on your car, the interest might be more than the minimum payment. And so you're you can get in a lot of trouble by only exactly. making the yeah. minimum payment. Yeah. Worst worst case scenario, you are actually losing money. Your minimum payment's gonna go up mm-hmm. every month because you're paying less than what is being added to the bill. But even best case scenario where eventually the minimum payment will get you to zero, the the credit card company or whoever, they did not put together the best payment plan for you to get out of debt. They That minimum payment is the best way for them to extract as much money out of you as possible. Which can be 
eighteen percent, twenty percent interest on a credit card, like exactly, very very painful. Um, so so if 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 you can't, you know, if one month money's really tight and you can only make the minimum, yes, make the minimum. It's better than not making any payment at all. But don't don't stay there. <laughs> pay yeah, pay more than the minimum. Ooh, halfway through already. All right, number six. You don't need life insurance if you're young and healthy. That's an interesting one. Yeah, younger people tend to be less likely to need it, but that has 0% to do with the likeliness. Like life insurance has nothing to do with how likely you are to die, really. It it's about how negatively affected the people that depend on you would be affected if you suddenly disappeared. And obviously, we are ignoring the entire emotional component of that, which is the biggest piece really but life insurance is for covering that financial gap if something happens and so i mean actually someone young and healthy with a family uh is going to leave behind some you know something worse than someone older without one yeah i was right? actually like, thinking it, it can be even worse because you're not even expecting the possibility of it say yeah. you like total freak car crash or just a total tragedy. Maybe you don't have as much savings or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're, when you're younger, you are less likely to have a family. You're less likely to have these people depending on you. But if you do, you absolutely should have term life insurance um, to make sure that they're covered if something happens. Yep. And now if you are young and healthy and, and even if you're young and unhealthy and no one is depending on you, um, it's not, that much of a value to have life insurance yep number seven more income means more wealth like if i'm making more money that means i'm going to be richer um i don't think that's true do you no yeah and and i think this myth shows up in a few places where it's people think about themselves and that if they made more money they would automatically be wealthier Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the case you you need to be aware of lifestyle creep and you need to have a plan for what you're going to do with that extra money when you get it because you could easily just start buying more expensive meals cars um you know not building wealth or any of that stuff um or it's also it's also a myth when people compare themselves to others or, or compare other people and they're they're thinking or assuming someone is significantly wealthier yeah. because they make more than them or or vice versa. Maybe, maybe in your maybe you're an asshole and you really think highly of yourself because you're making a lot of money, but you you're spend it all living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe you, you spend it very garishly and you're not saving it. And someone who's making half what you're making actually sticks to like a 50, 30, 20 budget and is building wealth and is actually in a significantly healthier position than you are. Money in the bank is just an equation, right? It's the same one we talked about a million times in budgeting, right? It's it's the income minus expenses. And so yeah. just because you have higher income doesn't mean you're making more. It gives you a, more of an opportunity, right? If you can yeah, keep your expenses totally. lower. Your, your potential for wealth is definitely higher if you're making more, but you still need to make those correct decisions to get there. A responsible person making 50000 you know whose whose expenses are only forty thousand and can save ten thousand is I think better off than somebody who's making two hundred thousand and spends a hundred and ninety nine thousand. Yeah, yeah, and, and all because that person is going to have a tough time learning how to save. That's a lot of habits true. you have to cut, mm-hmm. and that's going to probably be years to get to a spot where they've reduced their lifestyle expenses. And I 
think one more part there that we that I think we've both seen in New York is in these places with high cost of living, people use the high cost of living to justify not saving or, or not doing True. these things. Yeah. Um, so even if they're making a lot, like say someone making you know 200k in New York, and they're like, ah, but like I'm not supposed to have savings. I live in Manhattan. Like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be Rent living like sex in the city. Like mm-hmm. and. You know, it, it's don't fall into the trap of using that justification to look for reasons not to be better with yeah. your money if you have it. What's number eight? Number eight, it's not worth saving if I can only contribute a small amount. Hmm. And this is something I've, I've seen too, where someone says, oh, like, I could save, I could save 50 a month or maybe I could save 25 a month, but that's nothing like I, I might as well just like get a couple movie tickets a month. Yeah, that doesn't make a difference. Uh, but think about the rule of 72, right? You know, the rule of 72, 72 divided by the return is how long it'll take to double. So $50 in the bank at 10%, it'll take seven years to double, which is more than you would have had if you went to the movies. Yeah, how long does it take $0 to double? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, never. So little amounts really add up over time, thanks to time value of money yep. and um, you know interest on. And then a, a little bit of the, that personal part of personal finance. It's not just about how the math works out. It's also about the habit. Where mm-hmm. if you are if you are in the habit of always putting a little bit into your savings, um, even when you only have twenty five a month left over to put into the savings, that's true. It's when a lot more easier. Spare, yeah. You'll, yeah you'll when you have five hundred left over to save, it's a lot easier to put that five hundred in when you're in the habit. You already know you're going to put some away every month. It's just a matter of how much. Last two are about stocks. Uh, number nine, you need to have a lot of money to invest in the stock market. Stock market is only for rich people and. I don't make as much as them, so I should just park my money in a savings account or something. Yeah, and, and accept it's going to lose money to inflation every year. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not um, true, and I think we've covered this one. Yeah, we just talked about it, right? Like, any amount is better than no amount. With fractional shares now, you don't need as much to buy you know, a piece of something or a share. Index funds you can even buy fractional shares of, so don't let that get in the way of you saving for yeah. retirement. Yeah. If you have $2, you could go buy a fractional share with that. Yep. And so um, any amount, if you're interested, is enough. What about number 10? Number 10. Lastly, the stock market is too risky for me to park my retirement savings there. Stock market crashes every few years. It does. All my retirement money is going to be away, be gone. I should just keep it under the mattress. I've heard that one. I've heard that one. <laughs> people, especially you know, after the the little the March twenty twenty dip, that that yep. spooked some people. But as I think we were we were discussed a little bit right before we started recording, and we've talked about this before in some of our earlier episodes. Usually, as you get closer to retirement, you are converting some of your more volatile, riskier investments into safer, stable investments like bonds. And so there's you know there is a very stable game plan that is written out that you can easily follow for a relatively risk-free path to retirement savings. Mm-hmm. The, the, so if you're, if you're assuming you're going to follow that path, by the time you get to retirement, 
all of your investments are going to be in bonds, very stable, low risk. The only risk actually for your retirement savings at that point is the U.S. economy collapsing. And right. <laughs> at, right, at that really, point, really what's the, what, what would have been the alternative to having your money in the economy? You, maybe you're just holding it in cash. But if the U.S. economy collapses to the point that your retirement anyway. savings are gone, that fat stack of cash you have isn't worth anything. You know, right. if, if the U.S. government dissolves, the U.S. dollar isn't worth anything. So I consider it riskier when it's getting eaten away at by inflation. Yeah. Right? Like you want your money to be worth something in the future and to grow. So and it's not- like not, not even, a, I don't even look at that as like a risk necessarily. It, it's a guarantee. Like you are, you're locking in a guaranteed loss by holding on to cash because of inflation. Yeah. So it's not even like you're risking it. You're just guaranteeing it. So be willing to ride the roller coaster a little bit, especially when it comes to retirement, you know, set it and forget it. You don't need to look at the stock market over time. It's always gone up over time. There will be dips, but something really, really bad would need to happen for it not to be um, higher by the time you're at retirement. Yeah, for that plan not to work, the the uh, entire concept of a retirement fund basically <laughs> yeah, needs to exactly. not be relevant anymore, where we are back exactly. to sticks and stones trying to survive in caves. Oof. All right, those are our top 10. Got through them. Yeah, that was like a, a lightning round for some of them. But Yeah, I guess as, um, as a, my, my conclusion here, I want to ask, was there, was there one of these that sticks out to you as something that sort of in your personal finance journey you had to get over the hump on? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I definitely remember when I first got credit cards thinking that I should carry a balance mm, yeah. to get a higher score. And then... I felt so dumb when I learned <laughs> that you didn't need to. Um, that that was a big one yep. for me. What about you? Credit cards being bad was something that I had like thought of for a while. You know, it, it was something you used when you were living beyond your means, and then you were you were punished for that by paying the interest. Yes. Um, so that was a big one. But the number one for me, I think, is actually that all debt is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took me for a while um, to understand paying or paying off your debt basically locks in a return equal to the interest rate and mm-hmm. if you can beat that rate in actual returns on an investment it makes more ahead. sense to be in the investment that was something that took me a little while to really wrap my head around and even once i understood it it took me even longer to use that to inform the decisions i was making um but and i think that partly is why like i said is my favorite personal finance myth to bust um, because it was such like a light bulb moment for me personally. Yeah. All right. So hopefully that helps, I don't know, alleviate some worries or concerns or shine some light on things that you might have believed that just aren't true. Consider these myths busted. Busted. Like the the myth busters? Yeah, that's what I was picturing. Big thing up on the screen. Yeah. All right. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll be back with another one in a few weeks. And be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the More Sense Than Dollars podcast.